you can get a month's worth of content out of one 45-minute interview. And so from that standpoint, don't just keep doing more, more, more. Do more with the content you have. There's a lot of problems in the world today, Joe, but I believe there's no better time to be alive. Because think about it. We can create in the way that's easiest for us and then repurpose in the way that's best for other people, right? Some people like video. Fine. You can look at me, right? Some people like the audio. Other people just want to read it. 10% of the U.S. population is hearing impaired. I don't care how good your podcast or your video is, they're not going to be listening to it. They're going to be reading it. If I wanted to cater to the current algorithm gods, I'd probably talk about how this interview is all about what AI can and cannot do for us. But it's so much more than that. Much like the problem with leveraging AI to do all of the heavy lifting, me positioning this episode as about AI would be inauthentic. And authenticity, well, that's really what this episode is about. Tom Schwab is someone who believes at his core that you're just one conversation away from a profitable and perhaps quite successful business. So that's what he helps people do. He helps them have conversations. And today you're going to learn how to get better at having the right conversations, as well as how to leverage those conversations to build your authority authentically. Plus, in the pro show, Tom and I exchange podcast interview horror stories. Make sure to look for these top takeaways. That marketing is starting a conversation with someone who could be a great customer. But you need to be clear on what you do. Obscurity is bad for business. Number two, when you go on podcasts, you're having a conversation with potentially lots of people. So show up for them. Make the host look like a genius for having you on their show. And finally, go for quality over quantity. When I asked Tom about how to get on more podcasts, he said more is not better. Better is better. I know you're going to love this episode. To get all of the show notes, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash 335. There you can also become a member of the Podcast Workflows Foundry. That's the new name of my membership. You'll get ad-free extended versions of this podcast, as well as so much more great stuff. If you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, you can also just subscribe right in the app. But enough delay. Let's get into the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps busy solopreneurs and creators grow their business without spending too much time on it. I'm your host, Joe Casabona, and each week I bring you interviews and case studies on how to build a better business through smarter processes, time management, and effective content creation. It's like getting free coaching calls from successful solopreneurs. By the end of each episode, you'll have one to three takeaways you can implement today to stop spending time in your business and more time on your business or with your friends, your family, reading, or however you choose to spend your free time. All right. I am here with Tom Schwab of Interview Valet. I just realized I didn't ask you how to say your last name, so I'm hoping I'm saying that right. You did, just like the stockbroker, but without the money. (laughs) I was going to say that's exactly what I thought, but I don't think about your finances at all. (laughs) Tom, thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk about this. I just want to dive right into it. You help people on one level get on podcasts, but on another level, in the macro level, we'll say help them with their content efforts. What is a good goal of marketing and content efforts? Yeah. And I think we're talking about something even bigger than this, just not podcast interviews or not just content. I went back later in life and got my MBA in marketing, spent a lot of time and a lot of money with something my grandfather could have told me because he was a great business owner. Marketing is starting a conversation with somebody that could be a great customer. And that's what we're doing with our content, with our podcasts. Everything we're trying to do is start that conversation because I think today more than ever, obscurity is our biggest problem. There's lots of people that would love to work with you. You've built it. And I don't care if it's version 1.0 or 12.0, 
there's somebody it's perfect for. And unfortunately, we don't choose the best. We choose the best we know of. So we're trying to use marketing to get known by the client there. And marketing comes in various, various forms. Oh, man. I've already made a note about what a quote could be for the cold open because I love that. First of all, you mentioned your grandfather, right? I worked at a deli. I'm a New York Italian stereotype, so I obviously worked at a deli. And my boss there, Mr. Rizzi, after we closed and we were cleaning up, school was in session. And I'm like, I will learn more from Mr. Rizzi and his 30 years experience running food service businesses than I would ever learn in the classroom. It's just like entrepreneurship is so much about hands-on experience and learning lessons that way, not like hypotheticals in a textbook. I agree with you. My grandfather and Mr. Rizzi, I think they understood the strategy of business, right? They might not understand all the tactics today. My grandfather, God love his soul, wouldn't understand the internet or TikTok, but he's like, hold it. You're telling me I can get in front of other people's audiences, tell my story, get that no like, and trust. And I don't have to drive to the country club. I don't have to drive to the chamber of commerce or the lion's club. Yeah. He'd be like, I don't know what it is, but sign me up. The Rotary Club, right? I remember speaking in front of a Rotary Club back before social media was a big, not that I'm that old, but I love that. And then obscurity is a big problem you mentioned. This is so interesting because your interview is following an interview I did with Steve Woodruff, the Clarity King. And this was one of the things that he spoke about was being crystal clear with who you're talking to and what you can offer those people, right? You want to cut through the noise. I can't drive that point home enough right now that they say in journalism, three is a trend, right? So we're like two episodes in or two separate episodes into this, like people need to know who you are and they need to be very clear on what you do because that's the only way that they're going to hire you. And it's almost that today, the best way to sell something is not to sell it, but to earn the awareness, respect, and trust of those ready to buy. We don't have to nurture them forever. Back in the days, you know, Mr. Rizzi, if you didn't live within five miles, probably weren't his customer, right? Think about it today. We serve a national audience, a global audience. We can be very particular. And with clarity, I always say that marketing should be magnetic. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, it attracts everybody. Now, that's not how a magnet works. (laughs) It attracts the right people. It repels the other. Now, there's somebody that's thinking, Tom Schwab and Interview Valet, it's stupid. That's fine. I don't have to change their mind. Doesn't mean they're wrong or I'm wrong, but I can guarantee you we're not a good fit. You want to give people that opportunity to get to know, like, and trust you so they can either opt in or opt out. Because at the end of the day, we don't all need more leads. We need more customers that love us, that value what we do. And that's what drives profit. And that clarity and being not obscure, that's where it's going to come from. Not just one perfect funnel away. Right. Which is like why I made mention of Thread Boys for the second week in a row now on this podcast. Shout out to Kehi. I love that term. Right. And so for those who are unfamiliar, it's the people who have a very strict format for threads on Twitter. Right. It's like basically Mad Libs for platitudes disguised as business advice. I think that's probably the most elite way I could define Thread Boys. You're not like one thread away from millions of dollars. Right. It's work and you've got to be willing to establish your authority with the right people. You've got to be willing to help people and put yourself out there, right? Because you can't attract people unless you're being authentic, right? The funny thing about a magnet, right, is that there's the plus side, right? There's the positive side, there's the negative side, and they're going to attract to repel based on that. Definitely. And I was taking notes there. I love that. Thread boys. I remember a client came to us and I said, well, why do you want to do podcast interviews? And this guy was a high level consultant. And I loved his answer. He said that he believed that most of digital marketing today was the digital equivalent of advertising above urinals. And I said, (laughs) well, what do you mean by that? And he's like, my clients, if they saw me above a urinal, if they saw me on a park bench or a bus or doing a TikTok dance, that would be a reason not to hire me. He said, these are people that are looking for a relationship, the trust, and if they see me everywhere, that's a reason not to go with me. That makes perfect sense. Getting more into the goal of marketing, starting a conversation with somebody who could be a great customer, earning awareness, respect, and trust. I love telling the story of uh, crossover, like TV crossovers, right? Especially Friends. 
I don't know if you know that I was born in 1985. So I'm essentially a 90s kid that parades around as an 80s kid sometimes when it suits me. But Friends was like my first sitcom, right? And I was probably too young for it. But their first season, right? They were moving along. They were doing pretty well, like 17 million views per night. This is when like you were a captive audience to the Thursday night, 8 p.m. slot. You had to watch it then. Then they did crossover episodes with Mad About You and ER, two other big shows on NBC. And after that, they saw like a 20% increase in viewers per night. They got up to like 26 million and sustained that because they got in front of the right audience and they got in front of people who would be good fits, like the right demographics. They weren't showing friends on, well, I guess 1994 actually predates Fox News, but they weren't, you know, on CNN at the CNN like news hour. It's not like Chandler was doing the news. Like they did similar TV shows. Let's talk about a couple of ways to get in front of someone else's audience and earn that awareness, respect, and trust. Really, I think it's going to the established audience. So you had mentioned there, they went to another television show that had similar demographics that were similar people. They didn't try doing an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, right? Great audience, but it was not their audience. And so I think a lot of people look at that and say, you know, I can remember Cliff Ravenscraft was the podcast answer man back in the day. He said, the best place to find podcast listeners is listening to podcasts. So if you want to grow your podcast, go on other people's podcasts. If your audience is more audible learners, go on audible formats. The data shows that video, especially like YouTube, is for younger audiences. Really, podcasting typically doesn't take off until after college age. Before that, it's video. So the idea that if I advertise to one audience, I'll get the other one, it doesn't really work there. So a lot of people talk about breaking through the noise. I think a lot of times it's the people that are selling us the megaphones. Joe, they're just trying to get us to yell louder and monetize that and nobody gets heard. So I look at it as I'm too old to try to break through the noise. I'll get in on the conversation that's already going on to. I'd rather be listened to for an extended period of time. That makes perfect sense. I like that podcasting skews towards post-college audience. You want to be there, right? One of my worst performing episodes that I thought would be One of the best performing episodes was my interview with Peter Hollins. I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Hollins. I'm not, no. He's an acapella artist. He has like the full range, right? Like some people are like alto or soprano and some people are like falsetto or whatever. I'm throwing terms around that I'm very, not very unfamiliar with, but I'm not an expert to speak on them. But like bass, that's super low, falsetto, very high. And he can cover like the full range. And I loved his videos, like so much time and effort went into them. He had sets built to show that it was just his voice. He would record himself doing isolated vocals and then like overlay them. And I was like, I'm going to have this guy on. He's got 2 million YouTube followers. It's going to be great. I loved it, but it was a total flop because I wasn't talking to YouTube creators. The episode wasn't released on YouTube. I was talking to developers at that time. This was an instance where I thought, Well, this is going to help him because I have a pretty popular podcast. It's going to help me bring in his audience. But there was zero overlap. It's like selling scuba gear to someone with gills. They don't need it. The analogy I was thinking of is like fishing for sharks in fresh water. There's a lot of fish in there, but not the ones you're looking for. Both going aquatic there. I dig it. You want to go in front of established audiences. That kind of sounds like a lot of work. And I know that a trend we've been seeing lately to make it easier is using AI to help us create pitches, content, social media posts. And I want to ask you if you think that's a good idea or if there's a better approach. But first, we do need to take a break for our sponsors. Look, you're listening to this show because you're a creator or solopreneur and you need to grow your business. That goes hand in hand with building your authority. And there are few things that build your authority faster than being a published author. As a five times published author, I know. You're likely already creating content to help you achieve this goal. Writing blog posts, creating videos, maybe even hosting a podcast. A book is the best way to get your content off the airwaves and into the hands of your fans. It's also a great way to diversify your revenue streams. But 
as someone who self-published and distributed one of my own books, I can tell you it's a huge pain. That's where Lulu comes in. Instead of having to figure out how to print, sell, and ship your book by yourself, let Lulu help. Lulu's e-commerce plugins allow you to sell books directly to your fans from your site while they handle all of the printing and shipping. You keep creative control, customer data, and 100% of your profits. Create a free account today at lulu.com. And thanks so much to Lulu for sponsoring this show. Hey there, I want to tell you about Sensei. Sensei is the original solution for creating and selling online courses with WordPress, and it's back and better than ever. As a course creator with Sensei, you get complete ownership over your content and the freedom to customize as much as you need. Sensei has vastly improved the course creation experience, adding a customizable distraction-free mode, video and lesson progression, powerful reporting, and a full set of interactive content blocks. And those blocks, like flashcards, image hotspots, and interactive videos, can be added to any page or post, not just the courses. The goal of Sensei is to make it effortless for course creators to develop personalized instruction for learners. And while Sensei is free to start, you can save 20% on Sensei Pro, allowing you to charge for courses, drip out content, manage groups and cohorts, and leverage new AI tools. Just go to howibuilt.it slash sensei to have the discount automatically applied. That's howibuilt.it slash S-E-N-S-E-I. Hey, real quick before we get back into the episode, I want to tell you about my free newsletter, Podcast Workflows. If you are wondering how I can successfully run this show, plus two other shows, plus run a business, plus run three children, Podcast Workflows is for you. You will get weekly emails with behind-the-scenes look on how I produce this show, experiments I am trying with other podcasts, and general advice to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. You'll also have the opportunity to become a member and get ad-free extended episodes of this show as well as bonus content. You can do all of that over at podcastworkflows.com slash join. That's podcastworkflows.com slash join. Sign up for free today. All right. And we are back. I left you all with an incredible cliffhanger. Should we be using AI to help establish our authority? Tom, take it away. What do you think? The answer is inequivocally yes. In the same way that should we be using computers? Yes. (laughs) Should we be using electricity? Yes. Should we be using AI? Yes. But none of those replace us. And the kiss of death today is if somebody thinks you are AI. I've seen it before where you told the story of blocking somebody because it's just like, it didn't sound like them. It just sounded like AI crap. We did hiring this spring and it was my team that pointed out and said, no, they didn't write this. And I'm like, how can you tell? They use semicolons perfectly. This is chat GPT. (laughs) And they never moved on from there. So the idea of, If somebody doesn't think you're a human, that's a deal breaker right there. And that's one of the things that I think AI is powerful in helping you as a tool. But if you use it to replace yourself, it's not going to work well. And I think that's part of the thing. Even now with SEO, search engine optimization, there's this idea that all the search engines think that all the printed content out there is from AI until proven otherwise. So that's why collaborative content like this works. Even if they're listening to it, watching the video, scraping the content, it's like no AI would talk in the same style that I do. It wouldn't use the stories. It wouldn't use run-on sentences or short sentences. We wouldn't be talking over each other if it was AI. It's perfect. We're human. I love that. It's almost like how if you go exactly the speed limit, a police officer might pull you over because you were driving like too perfectly, right? Like you must be hiding something. You're driving too perfectly. I really like that. And yeah, so for those who maybe haven't heard me tell this story, I just recently blocked somebody on LinkedIn because it was very obvious that all of their comments, they took my post, put it into AI, said summarize this post, and then posted that as the comment. And like on one level, 
first of all, like give your own thoughts. Now you're just kind of engagement spamming. Second of all, if you're asking it to summarize my post, you're not adding anything to the conversation. You're just like, yeah, it's basically saying like, good point. That's it. You didn't have to run it through AI. You could have just been like, good point. I thought on one hand, well, it's engagement. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't like this. It doesn't feel right. I don't want to reward this person with visibility. So I just ended up blocking them. It went from what you were expecting to be a conversation, a human conversation to an automated transaction. And that killed trust quicker than anything. Yeah, right. It's almost like you post like, oh, do you like A or B? And then someone says C in the comments. And then like everyone's like, oh yeah, C. And I'm like, I wasn't asking about C. I was asking about A or B, but now everybody's talking about C and that really bums me out. Okay, so we've kind of established, right, that Yes, AI is super helpful. No, it shouldn't replace you. I'll share one more anecdote, which is like I wrote an article recently where I had, I am using chat GPT-4. Sorry, I just timestamped this episode, everybody, to write a 750 word blog post for me explaining blah, blah, blah. And then I went and I read it and I'm like, it's really like a primer article. It's like not really my core competency. And I was like, I can't just release this. So like I added a story to the beginning, like you said. I changed some of the sentences. I added my own anecdotes. And I was wondering, should I have just written this from scratch? And I thought, well, no, because like the core points that the AI made were still good and probably better than how I would have written them, right? Because it's using like groupthink, I guess. It like crowdsourced the main points. But the article itself was awful. I'm like, I can't. The steak that you used was like grade A steak. But the presentation was really bad. The mashed potatoes were lumpy and the gravy was everywhere, right? (laughs) But it was steak. And if you just wanted more, 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 you could have gotten that cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. That's not what you were optimizing for. And I think I mentioned it before. We're not optimizing for more activity or more leads. We're really optimizing for more profits. And how do you get more profits? By finding great people that value what you do. That's what I always have to remind myself is that we're trying to optimize for the value we bring, not just for activity. Yes. And so we will get to like, how do we find, I'll say more podcasts to be on. But first I want to ask, because something else that we've been talking about here is like content efforts in general. And we've been centering around podcast interviews. I get that podcast interviews are great for getting in front of other people's audiences establishing your authority in front of those audiences, right? So you're now borrowing lookalike audiences. But as far as after, like, isn't the podcast interview just for the podcaster to use? I've done my job, right? I spoke the words and now I'm done, right? End of story. Find the next interview. I look at it as I'm an engineer by degree. People have joked that English is my second language. They're not sure which my first one is. (laughs) But for me, I've written a lot of blogs in my life. Every one felt like a homework assignment, right? It doesn't come natural for me. But talking like this is very easy. And the people that get the best results from, I would say, any content, I was going to say podcast interviews for myself, but any content are those ones that can take it once and repurpose it. So we've done this interview here. With your permission, my team will go and get the transcript from it. They'll write a couple of blogs. They'll take a couple different clips, right, that are either tweets or videos. They can repurpose that content. You can get a month's worth of content out of one 45-minute interview. And so from that standpoint, don't just keep doing more, more, more. Do more with the content you have. There's a lot of problems in the world today, Joe, but I believe there's no better time to be alive because think about it. We can create in the way that's easiest for us and then repurpose in the way that's best for other people, right? Some people like video. Fine. You can look at me, right? Some people like the audio. Other people just want to read it. 10% of the U.S. population is hearing impaired. I don't care how good your podcast or your video is. They're not going to be listening to it. They're going to be reading it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I heard a podcaster kind of like give a, I'll say a soliloquy against transcripts. And they were like, oh, our conversations are just like so all over the place. It's not pleasurable to read. And I'm like, that's a cop out because you don't want to pay for transcripts. You're basically saying like, oh, deaf people can't enjoy my content, right? Like people who cannot listen, cannot enjoy my content. It kind of makes you a crappy content creator. 
It is. And it's that whole idea of everybody is like me. Mm-hmm. The idea that only 51% of the U.S. population listens to podcasts. And I don't think it'll ever get to be 60%, right? 10% of the U.S. population is hearing impaired. And then there's probably another third that are so proud that they haven't read a book since high school. That's fine. No judgment on that. But they're not listening for new ideas and to learn stuff. They're happy watching reruns of Friends and God love them to do that. So the idea is that, you know, oh, I'll just do it in one format and everybody will hear it. No, you look with politicians. They don't do it that way. You know, if you want to get everybody, you better be on all the different medium. You better have all of the opinions too, as some of our politicians (laughs) are wont to do. (laughs) Sorry, that was a little political jab. I couldn't help myself. That's the most political content you'll get on this podcast, friends. If you're a new listener, that's the most I'll get into. Now, as you were speaking, I made myself aware again that I'm not recording the video for this. And it's mostly because like it happened one time and it like bombed the interview. And I was like, oh no, I better turn it off. But this is something that I need to reevaluate now again, because you're right. Like I used to be very like, someone was like, oh, can I have the raw audio clip? And I'm like, why? Like that's taking away from my downloads, but that's like a very naive thing to think, right? Because I'll give you the audio, right? I'll give you the transcript. You're essentially promoting my show for me in a way that I'm not really doing very well myself at this point. It's copyrighted material. So you always want to ask, but in nine years with Interview Valet, we have never had a host say, no, you can't promote this episode. Right. What they do want is tell them where it came from, attribute it. Yes. Right. But hosts actually want you to repurpose it, to promote it. They don't care where you hear about it, just that you did hear about it. I think that was really my rub because on this one particular guest's press page, they just had like a bunch of MP3 embeds. And I'm like, you got to at least link back to the actual interview. You've made this content only your content now. But yeah, absolutely. I think the weakest link in my game is repurposing this content. It's something I'm working with my VA now to like be better about. But if I know your team is going to do it, I'll happily reshare those assets too. Like you said, it's a collaborative thing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, if content is the goal, instead of just trying to make more podcast interviews, do more with every podcast interview. Do more. I like this continued theme throughout the episode. So do more with what you have. We got to finish that sentence, right? Because do more is not the same as do more with what you have. So I would say one of the hallmarks of a good guest, which by the way, if you are a member, then Tom and I are going to exchange horror stories from guests, pitches, podcasters, as we approach Halloween here. So if you want to hear maybe some of our best, worst stories, you can become a member over at howibuilt.it slash join. Or if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can hit that subscription button right in your app. So again, we'll get to that later. We're going to talk about our bad guests, our bad experiences. Right now, I want to ask you, what makes a good podcast guest? I think sharing is pretty high up on my list, but there are a few things to be, I guess, maybe a better term is effective. What makes an effective podcast guest? Yes. And I would first start off with drop the word podcast. What makes you a good guest? And think about it. If you were inviting me over to your home to introduce me to all your friends, what would you expect? Well, you better RSVP beforehand, right? You better know what it's about. Is this a backyard barbecue or a white tie event? show up the right way. When you show up, be a gracious guest. It's not all about you. Your goal, and we always tell our clients this, is to make the host look like a genius for introducing you to the audience. So it's a conversation here, not a soliloquy. And one of the things that a lot of people forget is that interviews get lost. If you start going on a sales pitch and make it all about me, 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 that file could get lost, right? And it'll never see air afterwards. Thank the host. And how can you thank them? By promoting the episode. They want more people to hear it. They want more subscribers and listeners. So do that. And I think really the big thing is, remember, it's a conversation. And there's some technical things that we can go over that we coach our clients on. Do you answer the questions? Do you not go on forever? Is it a discussion? How long was your longest answer? And we even played around with ChatGPT for a while, seeing if we could get an outside view of it. 
and they'd come back and say, Tom, you talked 20% faster to the host. You interrupted the host 17 times. You used jargon words like this, this, and this, even to the point where they'd come back and say, in this 37-minute podcast, you spoke 70% of the time and your longest soliloquy or monologue was 15 minutes. And we've even started to do this with our team because we record various calls with some AI stuff and to be able to tell somebody, you need to slow down. And they're like, I am. When you can actually show them the data and say, no, you talk faster than everybody else in the team. That's the data that shows them to slow down. The last one that I think to be a great guest is, I hear so many people have great conversations and then they get to the end and they just leave it there. I don't care how good of a communicator you are, you did not solve everybody's problem in 30 minutes. There's got to be the next step. Tell them easily how they can connect with you, how they can get more information and remember what they're doing. 70% of podcasts are listened to sped up. They're doing, listen to it while they drive, when they work out, while they cook. Don't give them 10 places to go. It's almost like a kid, right? If you give them four choices, it's just going to confuse them. Give them one place to go and then take the responsibility of putting all the stuff at that one page. Wow. The last bit you said, like I actually have a blog post about telling your listeners to do too many things from the host standpoint, right? Because like I'll tell my then four-year-old, she's now six, but still, still applies, right? I tell her to do like four or five things and like she maybe remembers the first one. You're absolutely right. People are distracted. Give them one clear call to action, whether you're the guest whether you're the host, right? And I always make sure to include the guest's call to action. Just like find it at the show notes or in the description, right? Make it very clear. That's where you can go to find all the resources that we talked about if you're interested in anything. So I love that. You said a lot of things I really liked. We've done some studies over the last nine years and this is heresy to every digital marketer, but three calls to action always work best on a podcast. And everybody's pulling their hair out and saying, no, it's only one. One, if it's a blog or digital media, but when you're having an extended conversation, we've tested this and meet people where they are. Give them a small yes, a medium yes, and a heck yes. If it's just something that's a quick win, send them back to one page and tell them this is what you can find there. Assessments, checklists, things like that. A medium yes is something that's going to take them a little bit more time or money. Could be a book, it could be a webinar, something like that. And then the flip side is, If they listen to you and you are the answer to prayer, they come with credit card in hand wanting to engage. Don't slow them down in a funnel. Let them go to that one page and connect with you. So you send them one place, but you give them three ways to say yes. I love that. That really confirms for me something that I did anyway and was a little worried about it. If I guessed on a podcast or anywhere, but mostly podcasts, right? I always make sure that the URL The landing page is the name of the host. I like that. I haven't run into an issue where I've had the same name for two hosts. There's always like the freebie I offered, right? And then other places to connect with me. And then at the bottom, it's like, did what I said really light you up? Like schedule a discovery call with me. I was like, am I telling them to do too much? I guess not, right? Because it's been pretty effective, but I was never sure. I never like A-B tested anything because the traffic I have going to those pages, I don't think is good for A-B testing. We have tested this over and over and it always works the best. Send them one place, give them three ways to say yes, and then remind them again, send them to that one place. I love that. And then the other thing that you said here that I really want to drive home the point for is remember it's a conversation, talking too long. Here's the thing that, again, from the podcaster side, I am bullish on like edit the episodes for content. As we talk, I've been making edit notes like people might not hear this now, but the little mess up with your name at the beginning where I like mentioned it, probably going to get cut out. That just doesn't add. It's fun for us. I'll keep it for the pro show. But I want this to be tight. I want people to get what they're going to get out of this episode. And so there have been times where I'm like, the guest talked for 10 straight minutes here. You know, I'll tell my editor, like, find the good parts and cut out the rest. I want the interview to be tight. I don't want it to get lost from a content creation standpoint. I listen to every one of our clients' first interview to give them feedback, but we also do what I call a walkthrough interview. 
just to help them with, this is what you're going to see. You know, we brief with the guest about the podcast every time beforehand, but just so they get comfortable with that, because I cringe sometimes when I hear a podcast and the first question is, tell me about yourself. (laughs) And, you know, that's a 30 minute podcast or at the end, how can people get in touch with you? Find my TikTok here, my Instagram here, you know, call me here, phone me here. It's like your daughter at four years old was smarter than I was because I'm running, <laughs> listening to it at 2X. As I run at half X, it's like, I'm not going to remember a <laughs> dang thing. Yeah. The only thing people are like, I listen to podcasts when I run. I run somewhat infrequently. And when I run, I have one thought and it's don't die. Like make <laughs> it home <laughs> in one piece. Yeah. The who are you and what do you do? As a guest, you're going to get that a lot. What I've been telling people lately is like, have two to three stories ready to engage and don't, well, I got my master's from the University of Scranton in 09 as a software engineering major. But then in 2016, I decided to start a podcast. Like no one cares about that. And my dog's name is this and my hobbies are this. I always tell people the first question, no matter really what they ask you, the first question is always the same. Who are you? Why are you here? Why should people listen to you? Right. If you can get those in, that's important. Then you can work in the stories later on, but nobody really cares about your bio. Right. I had a client early on. I loved it. He said, you guys are just like preparation H. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's a compliment. You made my pain go away. The relief was fast. You were recommended. (laughs) And it struck me that we're all selling preparation H, right? Nobody cares about your product or service. They care about the pain in the rear end. And Mm -hmm. having it go away quickly. That's so good. Also reminds me of Austin Powers, which is a story for another day. Okay, so let's wrap up here with some actionable advice for our listeners. How do I get more podcast interviews? This sounds great. I want to do as many as possible. You knew I was going to push back on this. I think that's why you said more. My word for the year is better is better. And I know that's more than one word, but I gave myself (laughs) bonuses. It's really only two words, right? (laughs) Ah, redundant, redundant. Exactly, yeah. I look at it as, I'm so tired of people saying, more is better, bigger is better. No, you know what is better? Better is better. So often people say, well, how can I get on more podcasts? And the first thing I ask them is, well, how are your podcasts now converting? Oh, they're not. Oh, okay. So instead of going two times zero, you want to go 10 times zero. Let's 10 exit. Your results are still going to be the same. So let's focus on getting better. And that could be finding better audiences, right? That more resonate with it. It could be doing better interviews. If you're doing Groundhog's Day, a prospect came to us and said, I want to be on 100 interviews this month because that's massive exposure. Well, if you're doing Groundhog's Day like that, everyone's going to sound the same. You're not going to stand out. Why don't you do better interviews, not just more? The other thing too is look at, Are you doing more with the content? Are you repurposing all of that? Let's talk about harvesting some things, not just planting all of these seeds with more, more, more. So that's where I always stand with, what are we optimizing for? And the clients that work with us, you know, high-level coaches, consultants, brands, nonfiction authors, they're not just going to podcast interviews to make content for an ego stroke. They're trying to drive business with it. So if that's what you're trying to do, let's work the way back into that. Let's optimize to get the most from every appearance. Then once we've optimized for it, then you can scale that up. And I challenge lots of people on that. And it's been done before. There's ways to do it. You know, if you're not doing your calls to action at the end, if you're not sending them to one page, if you're not using data in your podcast guesting, it's really more podcast guessing. And God help you if you do get results. Because you'll never know how you got them and you'll never be able to reproduce them. And that's even more frustrating. Absolutely. And this is like something that's been a little frustrating for me lately, right? Is I use ConvertKit for my ESP. And so anybody who signs up on any form goes to ConvertKit. ConvertKit doesn't tell you the referring link. So I'm like, well, what blog post like converted this or what page converted this? So now I have, again, developer by trade. So I used a WordPress plugin called Gravity Forms and I embed the referring link and it's included in their profile now, right? I have like a URL, referring URL. I know where it comes from. You need to be able to track that stuff, right? Because if you have one blog post that's killing it, maybe you want to talk more about that or repurpose that blog post in other places. And the same thing goes for 
guesting, right? Like if you talked about X on a podcast that had this demographic, then keep talking about X on similar podcasts. We worked with a high level consultant. He was a CPA that did a lot of fractional CFO and tax planning work. And he came to us and he said, I want to be on 50 podcasts and I want 50 different clients in 50 different states and no two the same. And I'm like, why? And he said, we almost got wiped out in 2008 because everybody was brick and mortar. So he says, I want to use podcasts to totally diversify. All right. Well, we get a few months into it. And Joe, we get him on a podcast with dentists and we look at the data and it's like, this is fish in a barrel. We took it to him and he's like, you know what? I've already signed up two clients from that podcast. And I think I've got a couple more interviews already set up. So for the next five months, all we did was all the dental podcasts. 80% of his business is now dentists. He started his own dental podcast. And if he wouldn't have had that data, he wouldn't have known. He would have been fishing in all these different ponds, not knowing where the fish were biting for him. Oh, that's so great. That's such an amazing success story. I love it. And so I'm going to mention a couple of things here, right? First of all, something I've been experimenting more, right? This conversation that we're having like, is really confirming the fact that I should do more podcast guest audits where people tell me an interview to listen to and then I tell them everything that they could do better. So if you're interested in that, I will include a link in the description. It'll be podcastliftoff.com slash guest dash audit, but it'll be in the description and the show notes. The other thing is that you really do want to nail down what you're talking about here. Like I did the whole podcast tour thing. I talked about anything anybody ever wanted to talk about. Oh, let's talk about WordPress development. Let's talk about course creation. And you know what those did for me? As someone who's trying to be like a podcast automation coach, nothing. You know what does do well for me? Going on podcasts that talk to busy solopreneurs who are spending way too much time on their podcasts. And they're like, wow, you have three kids and three podcasts and you're not pulling your hair out? Teach me. Very much so, because you want to be an expert in one thing. If you're just going on for a hobby, if you're just going on for you know an ego stroke, go out to any podcast. But if you're trying to move business, make sure you're talking to the right people about the right thing. Especially today when, if you Google somebody's name, the last interview comes up. You don't want to confuse them. It's like, are they an expert on podcast automation? Are they an expert on long distance running or parenting? Do I have the right person here? And so you either brand yourself or somebody else brands you. So make sure that what you're talking about brands you the right way. It goes back to what you mentioned in the beginning, right? Obscurity is a huge problem here, right? And if people don't have a clear picture of what you do, then nobody's ordering sushi from the gas station, right? We ordered out last night. My wife just got home from a trip. No one felt like, I never feel like cooking. We went to this place called the Station Tap Room here in our hometown. They do great bar food. I saw that they had Thai food on the menu and I'm like, "Mm, nope, I'm going to get one of your great paninis. I'm not ordering the drunken noodles from a bar. I'll go to a Thai place for that. So you really want to be clear on that. Otherwise, you're going to have things on your menu that no one's buying. The last thing I'll say here, because I love better is better. Don't do more. A forcing function of like slowing down what podcasts you are pitching to and something that I tell a lot of people to do anyway, which again, we'll dive into that in the pro show, is listen to an episode of the podcast that you're going to pitch. You can listen on 2X, just get a gist about what they talk about. Otherwise, you're going to be pitching blind. You'll do more damage than anything. Podcasters know podcasters and a lot of people will share bad pitches with me where, dear Joe, I hope this day finds you well. (laughs) My client would be a great guest for you talking about nursing mothers and here's all their links. And, you know, it's a five page email and you're looking at the very beginning and it's like, they didn't listen to the show. They're lying. It's a robo pitch and you're not going to say yes, but you're going to say no. And when you see that person, it hurts them, right? That robo pitch actually hurt the guest. It's like whoever represents you, that's representing your brand there too. We don't even use the word pitch. To us, that's a four-letter word. I know where it comes from, right? You pitch an idea, you pitch a story, but all of a sudden in podcasting, it's like we're pitching people and that's dehumanizing. 
we introduce. So we've got you know a team of 32 now in Europe and North America. A third of them just have that one-on-one relationship. So it's always that same person that's reaching out to you to introduce a person, not to pitch them. I love that. I had a conversation with a woman whose name I haven't said out loud, so I'm not going to say it out loud here on the show for the first time, but she said the same thing. You know, she was like, we don't pitch. We start relationships with people. And then if it's a good fit, we make the introduction. I love that. It's so obvious. Hey, Joe, my client, Blandy McBlanderson, is the greatest tech entrepreneur of his age. He did these many things before the age of 20. And now he wants to tell you how he did those many things. I was like, if you knew anything about my podcast, you would know I don't care about origin stories. I straight up say it on the guest page. I don't want founder stories. You've now kind of self-selected out of me ever having you on your show. And once again, it's like, just because you can do something with AI doesn't mean you should. You scrape all the email lists and we're going to send it out to 4 million podcasters. Some will say yes. They probably will, but it's not going to be the ones that you want. Yeah, the people who take anybody aren't serving anybody either. And I have really strong opinions on this. I might soapbox for a minute here, but like I've seen it, right? Where people are like, oh, you should start a podcast and like don't even release the episodes. Just have them on. And then if they're a good client, then you can get a sales call. And I'm like, you're only serving yourself. You're not serving the guest or your audience there. And then there are other people on the opposite side who do the same thing. Hey, I'm promoting an event. Can I go on your podcast to promote the event? I'm like, well, that's called sponsorship. And yes, you can pay to do that. And like, no, we're looking for organic. And I'm like, I hate to break it to you. If you're going in leading with, I have this thing I want to promote, it's not organic. It's free paid advertising is what you're asking for. It's just wild. Do you know what the term is for those podcasts where it's a sales call, not a podcast? What's that? It's commonly referred to in the industry as a Trojan podcast. So you have the pre-call with the sales development rep. Then you have the interview with the host, which is the closer. And those interviews don't even get released. Or if they do get released, they're releasing them five a day and nothing ever gets promoted. Yep, that's exactly right. And in fact, there's one podcast I went on. It was called Evolvepreneur. So I'm just going to name them, I guess. They did the whole sell. And then they put me in a sales funnel. And I was like, I will never trust you. You lied to me to get me on your quote unquote podcast to try to sell me on a service I didn't ask for. And they took my episode down after that. Oh, you're not going to hire us. We're not going to promote you, man. I guess this is why, like, if you have a podcast or if you're guesting, you can stand out by just being, like we said earlier, authentic. I take it one more from authentic to being human. All of those things that you were talking about, you can do in mass with AI and automation, but doesn't mean it's going to be effective. You could actually do more harm than good, or you could be a human and leverage the automation, leverage the technology to free up your time to be more human. I believe one is going to be a lot more effective. The other thing is that I've got to look at myself in the mirror. This is the kind of things that I want to add to. I want to be more human and help people, not just make it a transaction. I said straight up, like I'm like, how do you sleep at night? Again, New York Italian, very direct. And so I fully agree with that. I have a course on LinkedIn Learning coming out called Generative AI for Podcasters. And I do cover like finding podcasts and finding podcasts to pitch. And I have one of the tools generate a pitch email. And I say, I make it so clear. This is a good start. It gives you some boilerplate language to mention who you are and what you do. You need to make it personal. You need to take it and say, this is why I think I could add value to your audience. This is what I like about your show. What I do and my credentials should be the last paragraph, not the first one. I think you're absolutely right. I'm very good at finding the words. Some people can, and AI is hugely helpful for that. Tom, this has been a great conversation. I've known the pain of doing kind of cold outreach and maybe not finding the right podcast. This is something that you do at Interview Valet, right? It is. And our mission is to personally introduce inspiring thought leaders to millions of ideal people they could serve for the betterment of all. Right, so that's high-level coaches, consultants, brands, nonfiction authors. And it's really not just about podcast guesting. 
It's about podcast interview marketing, which is about driving results from this channel. Love that. And so great because I know people who they're like, hire me. I'll get you on five podcasts a month. And I'm like, how will you do that? And they're like, we have a database. And I'm like, I'm out. So like, I mean, everything you've talked about here really lights me up. That's why I had you on the show because you are authentic. And so if people want to learn more about you and what you can do for them, where can they find you? Yeah. And so before we talked about send them to one place, yeah. give them three ways to say yes. So even if you just want to see how to do a welcome page, go to interviewvalletvith.com forward slash how I built it. And there's three things there. The first one's an assessment. Will podcast interview marketing work for you? 10 questions, you'll get your answer there. I wrote a book called Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy. You can buy it on Amazon, or if you just go there, I'll send you a copy. And then finally, if you heard this and it resonated with you and you're like, I'd like to see how I could use this, how we could work together. Happy to have a call with you. I'll put my calendar scheduling link down there, all my social media, so you don't have to figure out which Tom Schwab in Kalamazoo, Michigan (laughs) I am. All that will be back at interviewvalet.com forward slash how I built it. And that is all one word, all lowercase, right? Yes. I mean, I'll link it in the show notes. You can find that and everything we talked about over at howibuilt.it slash 334, which is the episode number. So easy to remember how I built that it slash three, three, four. You'll find everything that we talked about over there. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate all you do. All right. So everything that we just talked about, you can find over at the show notes over at how I built it slash three, three, five. That's Tom's link and all of the resources. But Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors. Until next time. Get out there and build something.